Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Would you forgive the prodigal son? Now, we heard the parable of the prodigal son. Clarines read some of it this morning. Um, If you listen to Virginia's Drosh, she talks about it also. It's one of those parables that's packed full of messages and teachings. And I want to teach on one aspect of that, okay? And that is the lesson from a forgiving father. It's one of the longest parables that's in the New Testament. It's found in Luke chapter 15. If you look at an old King James Bible version, they use the term prodigal. Well, what does prodigal mean? Prodigal is a Greek word meaning wildly extravagant and indulgent. The parable of the prodigal son illustrates a forgiving father receiving his lost son back into the family. But we'll see the older son was not so forgiving. I have to ask, if you were the other sibling, what would you have done? How would you have felt? Let's look at the beginning of Luke chapter 15, kind of the introduction where we're going. It sort of sets the stage. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear Yeshua. The Pharisees and the Torah scholars began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Sinners and tax collectors were despised by the elite of society back then. Yet they were the primary ones that gathered around Yeshua. The Pharisees and the Torah scribes, the leaders in the community and the teachers of the law, They seemed to keep their distance as they criticized Yeshua for mixing with these sinners. Now, I want us to think about that for a moment. Sinners and tax collectors. It's kind of abstract in our day and time. I mean, tax collectors? Well, yeah, nobody likes to pay taxes, but, I mean, we don't think of them, you know, as as like a person kind of thing or something something you have to do. And, And sinners, I mean, that's, well, that's pretty wide open. What does that mean? Instead of sinners and tax collectors, I have to ask, what type of person do you consider to be unsavory, an unsavory character? What type of person do you consider sinful? Think of that type of person gathered around Yeshua. How would that make you feel? You think you might be offended a little bit? Yeshua called these religious leaders hypocrites. Hypocrite is a Greek word for play actors. They look good on the outside, but instead they are full of extortion and self-indulgence and self-righteousness, is what he says in Matthew chapter 23. 
His message to them was first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside of them may be cleaned also. This would mean truly turning to God the Father in repentance. Luke 15 first gives the parable of the lost sheep in the first few verses, then provides a parable of the lost coins. Both show the importance of Messiah's call to repent and believe in the gospel. The message here is that God the Father, he too is happy and willing to accept those who repent. See, he's a forgiving father. And he wants us to be forgiving. And that's why in what we call the Lord's Prayer, or sometimes referred to as a model prayer, Yeshua encourages all of us to call upon our Father saying, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as those who sin against us. Whatever version you want. But he's saying, he's calling upon it, you forgive first. So understanding this context can help us to see the failings of an older brother we're going to see in this next parable. The parable of the lost son. After all, the lessons Yeshua was conveying not only apply to the Pharisees and scribes back then, but they can also apply to us today too. Luke 15, verses 11 through 32, focuses on the father and his two sons and the relationships between them. The parallel between the two sons and the two groups of listeners becomes clear as the story draws to a conclusion. The younger son wanted to leave home and go to another land. He says, I need cash to move out. So he asked for the goods that would go to him. You have to understand that normally these would have been bestowed upon him at the time of his father's death. But his father went ahead and obliged and gave him his inheritance early. In those days, the father would have had to sell off a lot of goods. He would have had to sell off his cattle, you know, maybe some part of his grain, stuff like that, wagons, chariots, I don't know. But we had to turn that into cash. He was going to give it to his son so he could go off. We read in verse 13 that the younger son soon wasted his possessions with prodigal living, that is, wild lifestyle. He went out carousing, I don't know, drinking every night. He went to the bars and said, hey, I'll buy everybody around. And he was everybody's best friend probably until all the money ran out. The younger son's attitude towards both his inheritance and his father showed a lack of maturity and wisdom. But we see that he learned a huge lesson through his experiences that followed and finally returned home humble and repentant. The father was so overjoyed when he saw his son that he ran out to meet him and kissed him and made a sumptuous feast for him, it says. He saw him coming and he ran to greet him. This was the kid that messed up, was, you know, blew all his money. And then we contrast that with the older son. He was not pleased. Though all the remaining wealth of his father would be his, he was angry that his father showed mercy to his brother. 
but had never given him what his brother received. In verse 29, he says, Look, so many years I've slaved away for you. Not once did I ignore your order. Look, I've been working for you. I've been doing all this stuff. I'm the good son. Yet you never have given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my, my friends. The older son did not understand the compassionate father he had. Just as the scribes and Pharisees who maintained that righteous facade, doing good, looking good, did not understand Yeshua and the father who had compassion for sinners and tax collectors. Like I say, insert unsavory character in, in your mind there. And the elder brother showed no compassion for his younger sibling. Even before meeting him, he angrily told his father, but when this son of yours came, the one who has squandered your wealth with prostitutes, for him you killed the fatted calf. You can almost hear the disdain and sarcasm in the older son's words. That son of yours... See, the father then reminded his oldest son, hey, look, buddy, you've still got the inheritance. You haven't lost anything. The father made it clear that though the younger brother had squandered his portion of the family's resources, he was to be accepted back as a member of the family. It's like, older son, you haven't lost anything. Really, you haven't. Like the older brother, the Pharisees and the scribes, act as, as if they had never disobeyed the law and were God's agents to rule over Judah. Yet Yeshua pointed out many times how their interpretation of the law and the additions to it actually caused people to break the law. They also wanted to act as the spiritual policemen by building a list of do's and don'ts to keep others from sinning. We see at the end of the parable we're not told the result of the father's discussion with the older brother. But those sitting around Yeshua and hopefully some of the scribes and Pharisees may have perceived how his remarks applied to them. God can show mercy and forgiveness to people from any background if they are repentant, as that lost son certainly was. Okay. Here are three points that we can learn from this parable. And I'm not a three-point guy sermon teacher, but I got three points this time. Three points we can learn from this parable, and specifically from the failings of the older brother, to help us become more like Yeshua. Number one, prevention is better than cure. James chapter 5 and verses 19 and 20, it encourages us, to watch out for each other when one of us begins to go astray. It says, Brethren, if any anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Luke chapter 15 does not tell us whether the older brother tried in any way to dissuade his younger brother from wasting much of his life and his inheritance. We don't know. It doesn't say. 
but we should try, without being domineering or self-righteous, to help others avoid pitfalls that could lead them to lose their inheritance. Sometimes asking, you sure you know what you're doing there? Maybe it's not such a good idea. Gentle correction can be effective when a trusting and considerate relationship is already present. Having that relationship and being able to say, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea. Number two, a believer who goes astray may yet return to the fold. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2 shows how we, as Messianic Jews and Gentiles, should be concerned about our spiritual brothers and sisters. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be also tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Messiah. The older brother focused on how his brother had brought shame on the family name. Perhaps we've seen people leave our synagogue family to live away from God. Perhaps we've seen people in our own immediate physical families turn away from God. What do we think of them? If they came back, how would we receive them? Would it be harsh and unforgiving as the older brother was? Would be wagging a finger at them? Or would we welcome them back like the father did with his younger son? Number three, our relationship with our Heavenly Father is enriched through gratitude. At one point, both these brothers failed to see themselves as beneficiaries of their father's generosity, his warmth, and his compassion. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, that God is the one who gives to us and helps us grow in righteousness so that we can be enriched in everything for all generosity, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. It appears that the older, older son felt that he experienced a hard life with little benefit or reward. He didn't see much, if anything, to be thankful for. We need to maintain a loving relationship with our Father, appreciating especially he, how He has given us the life and example of His Son, Yeshua. This affects how we react to some of the difficult pressures and trials that we do face and will face. If we accept God's calling on our lives, our reward is waiting for us, and it is a far greater reward than any ex expectations we may have in our human lives. John chapter 10 and verses 10 and 11 shows us that our Messiah, who is referred to as the Good Shepherd, wants to give us an abundant life, and he has sacrificed himself for us. It says the Good Shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We can be eternally grateful for such an incredible gift. The older son in the parable had a self-righteous outlook, and he couldn't understand how his father could accept this reprobate, wasteful brother back into the family 
much less celebrate his return. What about our outlook on those God will call at the very end of this age? People that may lead a sinful life, and I mean, have you heard uh, deathbed confessions and, and repentance? It does happen. What do we think about that? These may be individuals who have little knowledge of the Bible or who come from that unsavory background. They may have lived a lifestyle we do not approve of. Longtime followers of Yeshua who have, quote-unquote, borne the burden and the heat of the day may find it difficult to understand how God could be calling these people, but he will. The older son also prejudged his brother, assuming he was unrepentant. Without talking to him about his experience in the foreign land and his reasons for returning home. As believers, we cannot afford to prejudge people we meet. Many people we work with may observe unbiblical practices and may have a very different worldview than we have. What is our daily attitude and conversation with them like? Will we be like Yeshua, who was willing to sit and eat with sinners and tax collectors? God wants all sinners to repent and is delighted when they do. We should have the same mindset as God and not assume that people will be unrepentant when they come to understand that they have not followed God's instructions. And yes, you work with some of these people, but you are a living example you don't have to apologize just by the way you live and you speak. You are setting example. And sometimes you think maybe they're not paying attention, but maybe they are. And they notice that you are a believer. And it makes a difference to them. What is the attitude God wants? The difference in attitudes between the two sons which was brought out by how the older son related to the lost son, is well illustrated by one other parable. And I do list it up here. I think I have, do you have it? Luke 18? Yeah, there we go. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Here are these tax collectors again. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieving, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and I tithe on all that I get. He says, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, couldn't even lift his eyes towards heaven, but beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man rather than the other, went down to his home, declared righteous. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We need to have the humility of the repentant tax collector and the lost brother returning to his father. God works with us when we have this approach. We also must avoid the unforgiving, self-righteous attitude of the older brother. Instead, let's take our cue 
from our forgiving and caring Father. Shabbat Shalom. Amen.